0: Hey, welcome to the C3 Church Victory Podcast. We pray this message will inspire you and activate your faith. Thanks for joining us. And this morning, I've I've got something so good from God's Word for you this morning. It's going to be a little challenging, but isn't that what being a disciple is all about? Mark 2, Mark 1, well, we haven't made Mark 2 yet, getting ahead of myself. Mark 1, Mark 1, verse, I can't remember if I said 16 or 17 to the team, so we'll go with whatever they have. I think it's 16, verse 20. Man, Pastor Darren did an incredible job last week, did he not? I sent him down the river without a paddle, and uh, I tell you, God was speaking through him. I said to him, I texted him, we were watching online, I was... um, Oh, man, I was here, actually. I was, so, I was so out of it last week. I was battling this RSV thing, and it's gone through our family. But I said to him later, I said, man, to know that God sees us, that was so powerful. That was so powerful. And I began thinking as I was sitting down there and thinking about knowing I was preaching this week, uh, and, I, and, and God began to say to me, you know, verse 16 is Simon the fisherman. Verse 17, Jesus says, come follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. And we do a journey. We do a journey with Simon where he goes from Simon, the fisherman, to Peter, the fisher of men. And we have to ask ourselves sometimes, what is that journey? What was involved in that journey? Because when we read scripture, when we read that, 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 that story, that moment with Jesus, this, this is what we read. We read that Jesus walked beside the Sea of Galilee and he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting a net into the lake for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. That would have been a strange thing for them. What does that mean? And once they left their nets and followed him, when he had gone a little further, he saw James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John in a boat preparing their nets. Without delay, he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired men and followed him. Just before I get into unpacking that, let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for your word, and I pray right now, this moment, that whatever we need to do to allow ourselves to receive what you have for us this morning, that we would do it. Holy Spirit, help us to remove things we need to from our minds. Help us to open our hearts. And Holy Spirit, do what I can't do. Use these words to bring revelation into people's hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So I was talking to Graham Prosser outside. We were sharing skiing stories. And I said to him, I said, I've got a skiing story for you this morning. And uh, I used to be a uh, an instructor on a cross country skiing camp for young people and uh, I was one of the young people for a while and then um, you get older it 's funny thing about life um, and and i i just I just happened to end up the most experienced skier on, on the camp, I had no qualifications, no training, As the, if we did it in today's day and age we would be uh, highly liable for all sorts of things and we certainly wouldn't pass risk assess or safe church operations in any way, shape or form, but uh, those were the times and, um, and so being the, just the most experienced skier, I was suddenly the ski instructor and uh, I just taught people what i would learned, which is a really great thing to do if you're wondering how to disciple someone, uh, just teach them what you know. Just teach them what God's done in your life. It's actually really simple. If all you have is a little bit, trust that all they need is a little bit, okay? Uh, we don't need to be the fountain of all knowledge to sow into someone's life. We just need to be one step in front. We just need to have a testimony that we can share with someone that God came through for us, that God did what he said, that God is faithful. You know, sometimes that's all that we need to say to people to encourage them, hey, God, God came through for me. And I was just the most experienced, and so I'm like, awesome, let's do this. And um, and so I was in charge of the advanced group, and I was teaching them how to do, um, you know, uh, snowplow stops, and um, and how to how to ski cross country style, which is a little different. If you're into downhill, it is it is somewhat different because the back of your bindings not in. You like you can actually walk in them, so your your toes clipped, but that's it. Um, And and so we used to take the advanced group out onto the, the main range down at, at Parish. It was actually, it was fantastic. It was a beautiful experience, stunning like location. And we would go and climb these mountains that were untouched by the ski resorts. Um, and so you'd, you'd be out there and it would just be like snow white as far as you can see and up the top of these mountains. And most of the time, the weather was fantastic which is great. It's easy to lead skiers when the weather is good. It's really difficult to lead a team of skiers when the weather is bad. And this one time we were up, we were up, I think we were up sort of out the back range past Guthaga, out over somewhere near, I think Mount Tate or something, I think it was, uh, we were heading out, and, and the weather blew in quite bad, and we got to a sort of the space where we were in what I would describe as a whiteout, where you couldn't, you actually couldn't see in front of you because the snow and the wind was blowing out, and it was as white as the ground, and you kind of couldn't tell what was up and what was down and where you were, and so we'd done a little bit of training, we weren't totally negligent in what we did, we had done a little bit of training in how to navigate these situations, and we'd done some advanced first aid courses, and uh, one other time we were out there, one of our advanced team uh, fell, broke his ankle, and we had to sit him on our adjustable shovel thing and strap his foot to the, the arm, that's definitely the wrong word, the arm of the shovel as a splint, and we had to ski him out on the shovel, uh, which that was just another great story, but this whiteout happened, and what, what you do in a whiteout is, is because you can't see the person, you have to be connected to the person. And so we would, we would everyone would, would, from the front of the line to the back, would put one stock behind them, because, because you weren't really going anywhere fast in a wide out. The goal was not to de- get disconnected. And so you would hold the stock of the person in front of you, because you knew that it was connected to their arm. You knew that that was your connection to them. Obviously, you can't get and actually touch and hold onto the person, because skis crossing over, that creates chaotic environments. And what you would do is you would slowly traverse your way off the ridge, because on the ridge, you can't, you can't really see where you're going, but if you can get off the ridge, you can get down into the tree line, and you can find shelter, and you can sort of wait the whiteout out. And so we did that, and we're holding the stocks, and we're traversing really slowly down, and praise God, we, we got out. It was fine. I didn't lose a child, which is, uh, you know, that was, I felt like that was an achievement for me with all the training that I'd had, but... I was thinking of this story, and I was thinking about how much trust we have in the person in front of us in that situation, because you can't see them. You actually can't see them. You are literally, you are holding on to something that you are trusting uh, about a meter in front of you is connected to the person that is keeping you safe. And it's a lot of trust. It's a lot of trust, because if something goes wrong, that's, that's actually an incredibly dangerous situation, we were down there one year where a couple of snowboarders got lost and they weren't found. And so we knew the reality of the danger that we were in. And even in that situation, I think, you know, it's not as much trust as the disciples showed in Jesus the moment they said, we're leaving everything to follow you. Everything. They left everything to follow Jesus. Jesus. And you know, this moment in Scripture, this is a a pivotal moment. When we arrive at this moment in the book of Mark, we are at the transition between John who's saying the kingdom is coming, and now he's in prison, and we get this shift between John who was announcing what was coming and Jesus who says it has come. And so we should expect that when that shift happens, something else happens. That it wasn't until the kingdom had come that the need to call people to be fishers of men even existed. And so naturally that the moment that Jesus steps into proclaiming that the kingdom now is here, he also follows that up with, so now come, now come follow me and become fishers of men. Because there was no reason for them to fish for men before the kingdom had come. But now that the kingdom is here, it, is, it, is, it justifies the very reason why Jesus is now calling these people to leave everything of their lives to come follow him because the kingdom, the thing they had been waiting for, the return of the Messiah, all of that is wrapped up in his announcement of the kingdom is here. Therefore, come and follow. Can I tell you this morning that if you do not have a revelation that what we are about as a church is the very real kingdom of God, the desire to leave something of this world to follow after him, you will struggle to have that. But the very reality that the kingdom of God is here, that his kingdom is amongst us, that necessitates a response from us. And you know, it's interesting, right? Because Mark, we know it's Peter's account. And so when we read it and when when he refers to himself as Simon, Simon, We get an insight into even his own recognition of the journey that he goes on between his experience and the time until he speaks to John Mark and says, write this down. Write this down because in that moment when I was called, I was Simon. But somewhere along the journey, I became Peter. Somewhere I went from Simon who fished for fish to Peter who fishes for men. Somewhere along that journey, there was a shift, there was a change. And it's interesting, you can look through Mark, you can look through the Gospels, and it's interesting the use of where, particularly Mark, because it's Peter's account, where he uses Simon, or when he, he says Peter. It's an interesting thing to look at as you go through, but all of us have a Simon, and all of us have a Peter. All of us have who we were, and all of us have who Jesus is, I'm I'm doing a terrible job for the camera people this morning, I'm sorry. All of us have a who we are becoming in Christ. And you know, it's interesting because Jesus declares over Peter when he calls him, he says, this is who you're becoming. If you come follow me, this will be the result, this will be the destination, this will be the end point of your life. You will go from Simon the fisherman to Peter the fisher of men. It's this prophetic declaration over Peter, but you know what? The guarantee of him arriving there is based on one very big thing that Jesus can't do for him. His choice. His choice to follow. You see, Jesus can say all sorts of things over our life. I can say all sorts of things that I feel God is saying over your life. But the journey from Simon, the fisherman, to Peter, the fisher of men, is based, it's predicated on Simon Peter's choice. And so all of us have a Simon. I've, I've told you before, I have needy Nate. He's needy, he's insecure. This is who I was before God called me. But down there, God says, you're a leader of people. But it's my choice to follow. I don't get down there without choosing. The invitation is an indication of the potential for transformation. Transformation but it remains potential until we position ourselves in close proximity to the one who is able to change us. You see, that's discipleship. That's what they were saying yes to. They weren't just saying yes to a set of of religious rhetoric or rules. In fact, Jesus came to say, I have fulfilled the law. These are good Jewish boys. They knew the law. They knew the entire religious heritage of the Jewish nation, all of Israel. They knew everything about that. They would have been raised in that up until the point at which they took on the family business, right? Rather than going into the the higher rabbinical teaching schools, they they would have been raised in it, and then they would have gone into the family business. They knew it all. And Jesus isn't saying, come and be a part of that. He's saying, come and be a part of the new thing. I have fulfilled the law. And and I think think sometimes we think we're buying into a lifestyle. We're buying into this, this set of behaviors, but we're not. We're saying yes to, at its base level, Proximity. You see, the 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 thing when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain was torn from top to bottom. You know what that that, that, that represented? Permission for proximity. Because we had been separated, humanity had been separated from God we had been held at arm's length for our sake because his glory would have overwhelmed us being in sin and at that moment sin was defeated and the curtain was torn so that we now had possibility of proximity we had permission through Jesus to come close to God again You see, the thing with discipleship, the thing with responding to the call, is three things. It's three things. You look at the disciples and that moment where Jesus said, Come and follow me. They had to make an individual decision. No one in this room can decide for you to be a disciple. There's a difference between being saved and being a disciple. You know, we get to receive salvation, it's a gift. Everything's been done for us. Your sins have been forgiven. If you desire to have a relationship with Jesus, your, everything has been done that you might just receive it. You can just step in it. You can just, oh, I believe Jesus is God. I believe he died on the cross for me. But to be a disciple, that requires decisions. That requires choices. That requires moving from a momentary receiving to an ongoing walking. And so it requires an individual decision. It also requires an intentional decision because discipleship doesn't happen just because. In fact, discipleship doesn't happen just because you show up to church. Discipleship doesn't happen just because you sing songs. Discipleship doesn't even happen just because you read the Bible. In fact, Jesus says to the Pharisees, you search the Scriptures and you don't find me. Discipleship happens because you personally, intentionally, and then continually choose to have proximity with Jesus. You are willing to leave everything behind to be close to him, to stay close to him, and allow him to change you in those moments from Simon, the fisherman, to Peter, the fisher of men. You see, the the result of discipleship is that we end up with a heart for people. The result of discipleship is that we love more. We love people more, we're more gracious, we're more compassionate, we're slower to anger. All of the descriptors of love in Scripture, if you want a measure of maturity in in someone's Christianity, it's are they loving more, not attending more? That's not maturity. You can be at everything on the face of the planet that the church puts on and not be a disciple. You can be a great attender. I told you this might be a little challenging this morning but this is what it takes to get vision ready because to receive the vision that God has for our house requires disciples, not attenders. It requires people to have made their own individual, intentional and continual decision to be the vision, to carry the vision and to become the vision that God has for our house. Because our house is nothing except what is expressed by its people we become the vision. You see, when when Jesus said to Peter, come follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. He is speaking a vision over Peter's life. Peter, you have an opportunity to go from what you are now to what I see you becoming. And what I see you becoming is going to have a substantial impact on the kingdom of God and bringing people to know me and to, to, to have their lives transformed and changed by me. But it was Peter's choice to lean into a proximity with Jesus and a path with Jesus that ended up in the fulfillment of the vision where he became what Jesus saw over him. And the best thing that we can do to get vision ready is for you to decide again, or maybe the first time, that you are gonna be vision ready, that you are gonna be like God, What you have for this house, I'm a part of it. I wanna be a part of it. Whatever part you're calling me to play in this, whatever you are doing in my life that is gonna result in an impact for the kingdom of God through the place that you have called me to be planted in the community of believers. You see this, I can be a disciple, but discipleship happens in community. You see, I can be a disciple, I can choose, I can make that choice, but the process Of going from Simon to Peter, that happens in community. That's one of the reasons why Jesus chose 12. If you look at the reason, if you look at the the, the spectrum of the 12, it's like Jesus could not have chosen 12 more like potentially conflicting. like, Like talk about creating a powder keg of people. Now let's get in like the closest, like if you've been camping with people, you know it doesn't take long before you know their smell. (laughs) Right? All the hair products fell out like that. They stopped using them like a couple of weeks ago. We're talking about first century. There's no five star. There's no day spa. That's why I'm in this century, because I need those. (laughs) All right? But they're like, they're eating together. They're camping together and they're not glamping like a taronga, okay? They're like first century camping together, eating together, sleeping next to each other, in fishing boats. Like you smell after being in a fishing boat. It's real bad. Like you, Jesus has created the most heightened, close community because the closer the community, the better the discipleship. Because discipleship includes speaking the truth in love, which is not saying what you want to say in a nice way. Speaking the truth in love talks about the depth of relationship in which truth is spoken. It's in a relationship where there is love. And love is the byproduct of discipleship. And so, as we commit as a community, to this, what we are doing is we are creating a space in which discipleship happens, the product of which will be love, the increase of which will be more discipleship because where there is love, we can bring truth. And where we can bring truth, there can be freedom. Where we bring truth, there can be transformation. But as long as we remain as a community in which there is potentially a false expression of closeness, we do not create the environment in which love first is able to be generated. And so we remain potentially with a presentation of discipleship, but no depth of change. Do you know who makes this community? Each and every one of you. Each and every one of you make this community. And it begins every single Sunday, where as disciples, we continue to choose. We continue to choose to journey, to walk, to stay close with Jesus and to be planted in this place so that those that we struggle with might help us learn to love more. So that those we're deeply connected with can tell us that that person we struggle with is actually helping you. If you want a sneak peek at vision next week, it's going to be about discipleship. I believe with all my heart that God is calling us back to this being a central element of the community of believers, that we don't attend, but that actually we are made up of those who have chosen for themselves to commit to intentionally, deliberately, continually walking with Jesus in community. Thanks for making time to hear this message today. We encourage you to connect with us by heading to c3victory.org.au